It is the Brotherly Love Podcast, a mobile edition, which means we're limited on time. But as always, you know the deal. We're going to bring it, because why wouldn't we, for crying out loud? We got the fighting fills in the NLCS. Who would have thunk it? We got the Birds at 6-0 and hitting the bye. Best team in football. Who would have So let's do this thing. Sixers start this week, and somehow, someway, the Flyers, maybe the most improbable of all the things I just mentioned, <laughs> the Flyers started 2-0. and uh, Joe O'Donnell, John Mita with you. Johnny Mita, what's up, my man? I mean, it is raining hard in the city of brotherly love, but I got to tell you, it was sunny all day, all weekend. Just absolutely phenomenal weekend with our professional sports teams. You know, just to get that type of feeling. It is just incredible. You see the camaraderie, the humanity between people and fans, and it just... Just makes you feel good. And over, you know, the world has been a crazy place for the last couple of years with the pandemic and everything else. It's just, you know, to have that normalcy back and, and just to have playoff baseball back at Citizens Bank Park, that the electricity has been, you know, just incredible. It, it's phenomenal. And the Eagles look like they're a team to be reckoned with. And I'm not really scared of anybody in the NFC. But so all in all, it's good in Philadelphia right now. And the Sixers get to take out the Celtics tomorrow night. So it'll be, we're going to keep the train moving. I love it. And you know what they say, John, I mean, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, what is your, I'm glad we got John Mita, by the way, for our listeners coming off a nap. You had a light day work-wise. Did you have off or just a light day? No, no. Hat off. Thank God. Use them off on Mondays. Sometimes I've worked on some Mondays, but this was considering I didn't get home from the game last night till 2 a.m. Uh, yeah, this was a nice, much, uh, you know, it was a, a much needed rest day, so to speak. All right. What's the blood alcohol level at? Uh, from the weekend or right now? Right now, I'm at zero point zero. Are you sure that you've come back to, to zeros? Is what I'm getting at. I think finally today, yes, I have. But all right, congratulations. On, I was probably at a strong one eight. <laughs> all right, well, I'd say we've all been there, but I know you certainly have. So yeah. uh, congratulations on reaching that milestone again, and it was well deserved. I mean. What would you say the vibe in the – you didn't go to either Phillies game, right? I did not go. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was Lincoln Financial Field like last night, and how would you compare it to the Vikings game? Um, great call. Um, that's a great question. Last night was the loudest that I've ever heard Lincoln Financial Field, and maybe I've been the season ticket holder for 20 years, probably since like – you know, the early 2000s when we had some of those super teams. I mean. Right. Uh, 03 was the first year, right? Yeah. Oh, no. 02 was the first year of the stadium. Yep. 02. Okay. Yeah. So that Buccaneers championship game was 01? Yeah. Last game at the vet? Correct. Yep. All right. So you're gonna put you're gonna go back basically two decades as far as no no other moment or play stands out no, or and game exactly. What and about what about the Super Bowl run? Like what about the NFC? Yeah, I mean Falcons. Yeah, I mean, I would say yeah. I mean the Viking, the NFC Championship at the Vikings. You know, once Robinson made that interception return for a touchdown yeah. and there were some other huge plays. 
the the lid was ready. But you know, M- Meek Mill came out to get the the crowd pumped, and it, it, it the team was just juiced. I mean, and it's the Cowboys. I mean, it's one of those rivalries where everyone's going to be gassed up. And the other thing is, there wasn't a lot of Cowboy fans in the stadium. Like they were there. But it wasn't like in some years past where people have been selling their tickets. I mean, this was must-see TV. So, I love it. All right, well, let's just stick with the birds. They got the sure. bye week coming up. Then we'll get yeah. into those fighting fills. Um, what you make of the win from the club level? Any concerns? Like, just yeah. sum it up for us. Sure. Again, you know, this is the best opponent the Eagles have faced all year. You believe that? I do, yeah, absolutely. Really, I yeah. think the Vikings are a better team. I really do. The See, Cowboys might be better defensively, but Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott doesn't matter to me. The Vikings have more weapons. They were invisible that Monday night game, and I give the Eagles credit for that. Yeah, I mean, I would say those are the two best opponents, but I just got to give the edge because, like, I just think the Vikings' defense is soft, and it's not that great. So. Yeah. I would just have to give the edge to the Cowboys. And listen, when Dak Prescott comes back, they're going to be a much better football team. Um, I was not scared of Cooper Rush. I know there were some people that were like, uh, I don't know. I was like, no. But, yeah, so what I make from the game, listen, got it done, right? Like, you, you must, again, you you almost play a flawless half, right? You go up 20, 20 to 3 at the half, and that, when I said to people at halftime, I was like, listen, it is so crucial for them to come out of halftime, take that opening drive after deferring, and come down and score a touchdown. You go up 27-3 to there, I, I think the Cowboys' spirits are broken, and they know the game is over. Yeah. But, again, my biggest criticism is Jonathan Gannon. They play with these leads, and then he plays so soft. You have two of the best cover cornerbacks in the league between Slay and Bradbury, and he doesn't let them play man coverage. Like, they are good. And essentially, the Eagles might have the best secondary. Yeah. With, with the, um, uh, the, the addition of, you know, Chauncey Garner. Like, he's been incre- – he's got three interceptions in six games, and Epps has played some good safety. So, I mean – and we have Avante Maddox. We don't talk about him enough as a slot corner. Like – we have the personnel, which just makes me sick. Is he just doesn't get aggressive? He never blitzes enough. Listen, I know there's times where you just don't want to blitz. You don't want to leave yourself exposed. But we have playmakers where okay, if a team tries to take a deep shot, I like our corner chances just to go get a 50-50 ball if they try. And if you get burned for one long touchdown, it's not going to kill you. But if you continue to play with your coverages where you're 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, I don't care if Cooper Rush is a quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, somebody off the street, it doesn't matter. They'll be able to carve you up underneath, and that's what they did. And then they ran the football, and then they started gashing us with the run a lot. And then it just it, it's just so frustrating. And the other biggest uh, big disappointment, I thought the Eagles defense played really well last night, but not to get any sacks. And I say this all the time. If you're not getting home with your front four, send some pressure. I remember yeah. Eagles defenses were they were sending safety blitzes. Brian Dawkins, they would send Quinn and Michael. They would send cornerbacks. Lito, Sheldon on corner blitzes. We see none of that. And that's, 
I think my biggest thing moving forward is I feel like offensively we'll be able to get it done, but I feel like defensively we might have to let we might have a letdown, and that's solely on the on the head. You know, the defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon of this defense. That's the way I see. One other thing, and I'll add, and I'll let you get to what you need to say about the birds is. I love the fact that now there's two games in a row where we needed a drive, yep. right? You needed a drive. I don't care how you got – I don't care if you ran the ball 27 times and threw it two times. You got crucial third downs. You had to do it with, maybe with your legs. You only had to scramble for something. But they got it done. And that touchdown throw to Devontae Smith to get a drive because the momentum – you know, Cowboys cut that game to three. And the momentum is clearly swinging back to the Cowboys. They feel like they have life. And you go down and you get a drive. Now, not kicking the extra point there to make it a 10-point ball game. Didn't really think that that was necessary. But I think they're just trying to ride some momentum, try to see if – but No, so that's the analytic the, nerds, dude. That was all numbers. I that know. was the analytic nerds, and it drives uh, me crazy. You know, yeah. sometimes you got – Nick Sirianni seems to me like a coach that has feel. Right. Yeah. He, at times he's like, he's like a dude. He's not a football coach, you know, and that concerns me a little bit. I know the players seem to rally around that feed yeah. off that, but that concerns me a little bit. Like he gets like cross-eyed and like yeah. staring at the other team sidelines or wanting to fight opposing team players. Like I, I think he should be sitting in the 700 level of the vet with like <laughs> a, 16 ounce draft beer at times. Um, Although I did like, we got to mention, I liked if you saw the video this morning when the Cowboys called timeout and the game was over and Kelsey was kind of at the bottom of a pile. Somebody could have got hurt. It was kind of ridiculous. You know, he kind of told the Cowboys, you know, F you game over, which was kind of awesome. So yeah, it is awesome. But again, it's not your typical head coach behavior, right? You know, his press conference is like, he tries to be cliche, not give you much, but then yeah. at times he finds himself like hot. Like I, I listened today, and he'll start on an answer and like not, not give the reporter what he wants. Then he kind of like forgets that he has to be cliche guy, and he starts getting super honest. Then he completely backtracks again, and he's like, "Well, actually, but that's not the case." Like he, he's all over the map because I think. He's still learning at this thing, and he's, it's still hard for him, I feel like, to do anything other than just be like, I don't know. I don't want to say a super fan, but like it's just a very weird vibe we get from him um, at times in these press conferences where like uh, it's, it's, it's different, man. He, he is a very different head coach. I think we've seen that from the first press conference on. Um, but if you just listen to his long, he gives very long answers, but if you listen to them, he's all over the map and it's like, he still hasn't really figured out this whole thing on, you know, uh, becoming a head coach and how to handle the media and all that stuff. So, sure. um, anyway, I, I just, whatever, I'll digress to the football game now because I, I'm with you on a lot of things. The vanilla defense in the second half is killing me. All you need is one sack there to kill a drive. Right. And, and That's to your it. point, you know. To your point, like, if they're going to get seven, I'd almost rather them get seven right away than them take four minutes off the clock, six minutes off the clock, and tire out the defense. Very good It's nice that the clock gets dwindled down when they're having these long drives. You're like, all right, well, at least I killed half the third quarter. But at the same time, defense has been on the field that whole time. 
and there were a lot of missed tackles late in that game, I felt like because of a tired defense. Um, you know, they got close to Cooper Rush a few times, and every time they got close from these very analytical football eyeballs, he had a terrible throw. And a yeah. lot of the times the pressure was right in his face in that A-gap. So right. I would have sent Kaiser White right up the chute and, yeah. and try to put the kill shot on that football game at some point in the third quarter. Or TJ Edwards. I mean, he's been playing phenomenal. I'm, yep. I just want to see some – like, again, like I said, and I'm going to beat this dead horse to, to death, but if these guys on our defensive line – you know, I'm screaming it in the stadium. Like – and screaming at Gannon. I don't know if his family's sitting in a laugh, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> but like, I'm like, listen, you are the highest paid defensive football. So like, it's just like, where was Fletcher caught? Like, he didn't really have a good game. No. And no. Hassan, Hassan Reddick was quiet. I mean, they were all quiet, honestly. I know. And, and then the Cowboys don't have the best line. And we know that. And they had aging Jason Peters out there. Right. Like, he didn't commit a penalty. He didn't get exposed one time. Like, yeah. if, that's stunning to me. And by yeah. the way, just to go back to the last podcast, sure. Uh, Jason Peters and I said that quote was it going to be? Was it a thumbs down or not? I guess there was more to the quote, and uh-huh. he did not mean it to come out like the headline had it. Uh, sure. He went on John Clark's podcast and just clarified a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Phillies and retires an Eagles, so he was not taking a shot. Birds fans, so um, yeah, the body. A okay in my book, despite him signing in Dallas. I mean, he doesn't yeah. have enough money like Uncle. But anyway, uh, yeah. offensively, dude, they got it. They got to stay with the running game. Yeah, you know, I, I just they don't start running the ball in the fourth quarter in right. the second half, right? Like they yep. ran it. Miles got yep. a touchdown in the first half, but the third quarter they get pass happy. They do, and and then in the fourth quarter, all they do is run. To the point where you're like, dude, when was the last time A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith caught a ball, right, even had a target, and then all right. of a sudden on that last drive where they needed it, they kind of pieced it all together. They had runs, they had passes. Right. And that, that's um, Yeah, they, they definitely you're, – you're so right on the money with this. Like, they need some more balance. The thing that frustrates me, and I was, you know, in the stands talking about, is that, like, I hate it when we get, like, a good pass play, right? You get, like, a 13-yard Devontae had a couple slants, you know, and next thing you know – and then it's like the perfect opportunity on first and 10 to run the football yep. after yep. getting out of a crucial third down and just to get some more rhythm. And then they go back to the pass. There's yep. just, just like you said, there's just certain times you're like, they just need to be in a, a better flow. Special yep. teams are still an issue, my man. Um, Absolutely. We don't, we don't really have time to break all that down, but yep. you know, True. it's got to get fixed and hopefully the bye week they can yep. correct some of that stuff. Uh, lastly, on the birds, I got a question for you. Sure. Are the Eagles being out coached at halftime? Meaning the adjustments, the way the other team is getting back into the game, but down a couple scores, you feel like this is one that should be a, a, a cakewalk, and it's not yeah. turning out that way. So is it the NFL, and that's just not the way games go? Are the Eagles getting complacent because they have the big lead, or are the birds coaches not doing enough at halftime to make the quick adjustment? Maybe by the fourth quarter they're adjusting. But are they doing enough in the third quarter to sort of stay ahead of the chains? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that is really one hundred percent accurate. I think they they designed some unbelievable game plans to start. I mean, just look at how many points they throw up in the second quarter, right? Yeah, and then and then the defense, you know, the the other team 
they do make the adjustments, and then it's like we got nothing to go back to. The other thing that bothers me is, listen, we don't take enough deep shots. You know, like I, yep. I don't. That bothers me. Like, I mean, Quest Watkins caught a fifty-some yard ball week two wide open. They haven't gone back them since, really. Never tried it again. Like again, I don't know with Micah Parsons, with Lane Johnson being out, how much did the game plan change? Because I mean. You know, you want to talk about a bodyguard. I mean, Lane Johnson has been phenomenal the last two years. Yep. And he literally held Micah Parsons, who's probably on board for being the defensive player, you know, the defensive player of the year. And he, he was he was amazing. So, I, I just, like you said, they need to do some better jobs in making some adjustments, keep some better balance. But let's keep taking some shots. Because when you have receivers like Brown and Smith, you know, guys that can out-compete people for balls with great hands and can just make a play, then why not go for it? And we talk about it all the time, Joe. Who's to say you're not going to draw a penalty? Yeah, yeah like, especially the sidelines, like, too, with Devontae. works the sidelines so well. Worst case, you throw Exactly. You know, you're not putting like, it in harm's way. So right. I'm with you, dude. Trayvon they got to stay aggressive. Right. And Trayvon Diggs, you know, the Cowboys, very talented corner, but he's a guy that likes to be aggressive. And he is a total double move candidate. And I yep. never see any of that with our receivers. Never see the double move, you know? Yep. And then that comes on to coaching. And Nick Sirianni was a wide receiver. Like, come on. Let's see some double moves. Yep. Because it's not like they don't have the speed. They do. Amen. Well, they're 6-0, and brother. There were some people that thought know, they might start, like, they uh, might start fast. I mean, when you looked at the schedule – yeah. There was there was some talk like the Vikings game would be tough, the Cardinals game would be tough, but they a lot of people yeah. thought they could be 5 and 0 going into Dallas or at least thought there was a possibility for it. Now they're 6 and 0 going into the bye. Uh hopefully they rest up, hopefully Lane Johnson heals up. Yep. Uh, they prepare the right way. And there's no reason this team can't start 8 9 and 0 and then we'll go from there. Uh because I mean, schedule you, schedule ain't got, tough. Yeah, I mean you got Pittsburgh, you have the Commanders again, you have the Houston Texans and the Colts are putrid. I mean, there yeah. is a real strong possibility that they could start the season 10 and now. John Mita, the Philadelphia Eagles have a two-game lead on everybody in the NFC except for the New York Giants. It's it's unreal. That made me want to throw up when Baltimore lost it. The question but, I, is, but I'm just – I'm talking like at this point, at this point, no matter – like the birds could suffer catastrophic injuries – and still make the playoffs, right? They, they need four more wins. If they get four more wins the rest of the way, they're going to guarantee themselves a playoff spot. So no matter what happens, this team is going to the playoffs. I don't care literally what happens. But the yeah. eyeballs need to be focused on playing good football and that number one seed because I think it's a real possibility right now. No, I mean, team, I... Teams have to make up two games. No, you, play they... the, you play the Giants twice. So if you take care of business, every team in the conference is now chasing you by two weeks. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, they have a golden opportunity. Carson Wentz got hurt, so it looks like he's not going to play in the game that we face. In well, the that game. probably helps the commanders. No, nah, I know. You're right. Um, all right, we got to digress because I'm running out of time here. All right, uh, okay. On this mobile edition. But the Philadelphia right. Phillies, for the first time since 2010, are headed to the league championship series. I'm going to make a prediction right now, John Mita. This baseball team will not lose a game at home. This postseason. I don't know how long the postseason is going to go. They will not lose at Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. It's in the way they swing the bats at home and that crowd and that atmosphere, unless somebody gets absolutely shelled starting pitching wise, they ain't losing in Philly. That's my take. Uh, what a scene. 
what a response from the team. The the three run homers, the inside the Parker, the uh, small ball. I mean, they were just look, man, this team has got that swagger. They do. Uh, they're a loose group right now. They're playing for one another. The players are talking about that. And I'll yeah. share one little quick, quick, quick little nugget. Uh, Ray Diddy was back on the airwaves on Sunday. Yes, really. Uh, with with Mac with with Mac and Mac with Jody McDonald and Glenn Mac now doing the Sunday show and they had okay. Ray Dinger on. I caught some of the interview. I guess Ray's kid is a photographer, so he's yeah. in the Phillies dugout. Uh huh. And he told Ray, the Diddy, right after Girardi got gas, like days into it, that he thought the Phillies were going to turn it around because he could tell as the photographer in the dugout that they were a different team under Rob Thompson. And they appear to be having more fun. Yeah. I mean, it's it, – I've heard a lot of that lately. That Joe Girardi, the younger players, were always walking on eggshells. Yep. He wasn't it. He had, like, his favorites but didn't communicate. And he was – yeah. It's unbelievable. The turnaround's crazy. You know, I'm so happy for Reese Hoskins was struggling, you know, mightily. But that emotion when he hit that home run – I mean, they're lucky the stadium didn't explode because, I mean, that was like just listening to it on television. I've listened to some of the games like Fransky in L.A. have done oh, phenomenal so job. Good. So good. Like I most of the time I watch it. So but there's been times I've been working that I kind of had to listen, you know, and, and it's just been it's 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 unbelievable. And. They have that feel. They're playing for each other. Listen, you look at the 2017 Eagles. Everyone had each other's backs. You could just see it. And different people are pitching in every week, you know. Yep. And they, they have that same sort of vibe. And who knows? You're playing with house money at this point, right? Nobody expects you to be here. You're the underdog. We play that role extremely well in this city. So why not us, right? I hear you, brother. I'm all for it. And – you know, and, and, I, I didn't want to see the Dodgers, you know, no, just because nobody, of that, that talent and that experience. And, oh, um, absolutely. So I'd rather have the Padres. And it's uh, the Bryce Harper revenge or, tour. Yeah, exactly. Whether that works out or not, who knows. But I, I, I think back to 2008, the Rays beat the Red Sox in the ALCS. And I just remember thinking, boy, so good, so glad the Phillies didn't have to play Boston because Boston at that time was a juggernaut. You know, they had one recent world series and right. the Rays were kind of the upstart. I'd rather face the upstart. Yeah. It's just my opinion. than the established team with the veterans. Now well, the Phillies just beat the world series champs. So right. I mean, I guess well, you can look throw that at- out the window, but I, I'd rather have the matchup of the team that hasn't, that doesn't have all the pedigree. If I had to choose. I agree with you. And the other thing is this, like, how do we know, like, San Diego taking out the Dodgers. I mean, a lot of people have referenced it today. Referenced it today is that might have been their World Series. You know what I mean? Slaying yeah. that type of dragon. Well, and the now, Dodgers have kicked their ass years in the ring. Exactly. And now you have three teams that had a hundred wins, right? The Dodgers, the Braves, and the Mets had a hundred wins, right? Yep. Oh yeah. So San Diego and the Phillies are the only teams that didn't have 100 wins, and they're playing for the right to go to the World Series. Yep. Even the Cardinals had more wins than exactly. uh, the Padres and the Phillies. Lowest seed. Yep. Um, you got the Bryce Harper. You mentioned, you know, Bryce Harper, the Blake Snell, 
incident this year. I know, I know they're boys, but he did hit him in the hand and it cost Harper some time. You got yep. Manny Machado and the whole who do you sign uh-huh. Harper Machado thing. I mean, uh, um, the great, Aaron, yeah. the Nola brothers, the Nola brothers, swearing off Jorge Alfaro, the former Philly catcher. So you got Juan uh, pumped, Soto man. too. Juan Soto, who yeah, is screw Juan Soto. Yeah, I know. So, um, so what do you think? Can they get? Well, obviously they can get it done. Will they but, get it done, John Meter? I don't know. I get a feeling. I think things are going right. I think we're going back to the Roaring Twenties. I don't know. I think they find a way. It's just weird. You just get that feeling that it's going to happen. I don't know why. Listen, I and again, you know, two different sports, but I felt like no matter, even though when Carson Wentz down towards the end of the season, I just felt like they were a team of destiny. They were going to find a way to get it done. Didn't matter who they were playing. It, it was just, even though they had to go against the Patriots, I just felt like they were going to win. In the same way, you just get that vibe. And like you said, Joe, you pointed out, if you can steal a road game, one yep. out of two, that's yep. what you need to do. And then you come back to Philly. And the good thing is our pitchers are on good rest I know. Right now. You're going to have Wheeler and Nola four times total in the series. Four, four times, which is. Even if you win two of those, right? Yeah. It's 2-2, essentially. Like, you're yep. giving your – you're in the series, and it's a long series. It's a – you know, I can't wait, man. I, it's a bummer that they don't have home field. Yeah. You know, um, you know that – really, that series against the Cubs essentially cost them as the Padres sort of lapped them late in the year. But, um, man, what an opportunity. Uh, so happy for the fan base again. I know I've been beating that dead horse, but it's yeah. just amazing. <laughs> Listen, kudos, kudos to Rob Thompson. Once they clinch, and we talk, I talked about it, you know, what type of Nola were you going to get? And Nola, I'm so happy for him because people, he's been criticized, can't win in a big spot, and he has completely, absolutely delivered. And when they're celebrating, when they pop the Quirks champagne, once they beat the Astros in that crucial game, you know, Rob Thompson, <laughs> it's funny, I, didn't, I, I just found out he's Canadian, and Canadian. Yeah. People are extremely laid back, you know, and he comes out the perfect common grace, you know. And then at the end of the toast, he goes, how many more games? The 13 game, you know, and then yeah. the place just erupted and they believe in him. He believes in, listen, he could have changed the lineup, right? He could have changed the batting order. And that was the other thing that I heard, Joe, you mentioned the, the Ray Dinger son. Apparently when Girardi kept shuffling lineups, it kind of pissed the players off to no end, so. Yeah. Love it. I, I think I, I think you said it best when you talked about just how many guys on this team have contributed, you know, from Bryson Stott's at bat against Strider that kind of, you know, got him out of his mojo to, uh, you know, Listen, Boom Alec, make yo, plays. Alec Boom hitting the, the comebacker off Charlie yep. Warren's arm. That changed the whole complexion of that game. It, yep. You know, you hate to see somebody go out for injury, but I was like, Listen, this could be hugely beneficial. Yep. And, and, and Marsh, I mean, so many people have come up in big spots. It's been yep. it's just amazing. Yeah, and it's just tip of the cap. Shout out to JT Real Muto. I mean, this guy is the best catcher in baseball, and I know he had a rough go early in the year, but just what a story. What, a, what an athlete, and yeah, God, well, I love that guy. You know, he got he – got, 
you know, he got paid and everyone's like, oh, his contract's the worst. And it was nice to see him turn around. And then inside the park home run. So I'm like following it. I'm listening. But then I'm watching GameCast on my phone. I'm just back getting done finishing up work. And I'm like, well, it said the Phillies got a home run on GameCast. But then I'm listening to Francie. He's like, he's rounded second. He's rounded third. I'm like, what? Like, I, I yeah. couldn't believe it. First postseason inside the Parker ever by a catcher. Yeah. It's amazing. So hopefully they keep building more memories, my man. We get a week off from the birds, which is nice. Just enjoy some postseason baseball. That's it. And uh, and just next Sunday, root for everybody in the NFL to lose. That's right. You got it. Uh, good stuff, brother. Enjoy the NLCS. All right. You got it. Hope your kick gets off the schneid. Yeah, it hasn't been the smoothest start. But the only thing that hasn't gone well, sports-wise, for yours truly, the last (laughs) two weeks has been the fact that the Wild uh, off to an 0-2 start. But that's why they play 82, my friend. Great stuff, my man. Uh, Let's talk soon. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Go Phils, go Birds, and hopefully we got a little World Series podcast to do here in in the coming days. I would love it. You, you know it. what, John Mita? If there's a World Series parade, you get your ass down there, and we are going to do a podcast with you, drunk as a skunk, on Broad Street. All right. That's a fact. I can set that. <laughs> I can make that happen. Um, all right. Thanks for tuning in. Brother Love Podcast from John Mita, Joel Donald. Until next time, we'll see